Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. I've been talking to a camera for about seven months now. And it's a little bit like Tom Hanks in the movie Castaway, if you've ever seen that before with Wilson, the volleyball, like me and the camera are super close. We've had lots of special moments. I think the camera might have received Christ somewhere along the way because I've been preaching at that thing every week for seven months. And so I'm like extra excited to be here in person with you guys today. Thank you so much for joining us. For those of you that are joining us online, we want to welcome you here today as well. And we know that not everybody can be here. Some of you may be, um, you may be ill, you may be at risk, you may be caring for someone who's at risk or ill. And so we want you to know we love you and we miss you. So this, uh, this week, we're gonna begin a series called United We Stand. One of the ways that Jesus illustrated his kingdom is that he said the kingdom of heaven is like It's like yeast, it's like leaven that a woman took and she mixed into 50 pounds of flour until all of it was leavened. Now the point he's making is that this kingdom that we are a part of underneath our King Jesus has power. It it may seem small and insignificant, I don't know if if you've ever felt that way. You felt small, you felt insignificant, but there's power in this this seed of the kingdom, the gospel of Jesus that actually has power to change something large. And as we begin this series, we're talking about race and reconciliation. This is a massive topic. And I'm entering into it with fear and trembling because I know that I don't see every aspect, I don't see every part of it. There may be moments where I say something that is hurtful or offensive or just insensitive or uninformed. And so I just want you to know that I'm not the the, the know-it-all. We're gonna look at scripture together because here's what I hope to accomplish over the next few weeks. You see, this topic of race and reconciliation is, is, is a conversation piece around tables and water coolers and Zoom calls or however it is that you talk to people now. It's a topic of, of conversation. I want you to be equipped to, to speak into this, this topic with both grace and wisdom according to Scripture. Okay, so this is not a political series. Let's make that super clear. It's not political. I'm not here to tell you who to vote for, how to vote. Uh, I'm not going to tell you how to think about all the issues. But we, what, what we want to do is look at what does the scripture teach us today. We're, we're going to be looking at a, uh, a famous passage of scripture, the Tower of Babel. If you have a copy of scripture, you want to go to Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. That's going to be our focus today. And so if you have a copy of scripture, 
or you have a device that you read that on, go ahead and turn there with me to Genesis chapter 11. And what I want to talk about today is how did we get here? Where, where does race and racism come from? Like, what's, what, what's the issue here? And so we're going to look at what I believe is the origin of both race and racism from Genesis chapter 11. I'm going to read this right now. It says, the whole earth had the same language and vocabulary. As people migrated from the east, they found, they found a valley in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let us make oven-fired bricks. They used brick for stone and asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the sky. Let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered throughout the earth. Then the Lord came down to look over the city and the tower that the humans were building. The Lord said that they have begun to do this as one people all having the same language, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down there and confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So from there, the Lord scattered them throughout the earth and they stopped building the city. Therefore, it is called Babylon. For there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth, and from there the Lord scattered them throughout the earth. This is the word of the Lord. So here we have these people that um, at this point in the story, uh, you, you know kind of the, the arc of the story probably that God creates the heavens and the earth. He tells Adam and Eve after the fall, hey, be fruitful and multiply. The family tree begins to spread out. And then it says God's grieved that he made them. It got so wicked. Every inclination of the human heart was evil. And so the family tree goes zoop because God says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to hit the divine reset button. And he takes Noah and his wife and his three grown sons and their wives. And he puts them on an ark with all the animals, two by two. You know the song, the Lord told Noah. Y'all know that song, right? Go into the arky, arky. And they go into the ark. And they're in there for a long time. Finally, the waters subside. And now these people in Genesis 10, the people of Noah are beginning to spread out. The family trees beginning to go out again. And they find this place. And they say, look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to build a city. We're going to build a tower. We're going to make our, a name for ourselves. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, like, what's wrong with building a city and a tower? Like, why is that offensive to God? Like, why would he step in to that moment? Well, this, uh, this city is, is a picture of, of what is the antithesis of what God has intended in creation. He told Noah be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Like, I want this to spread out. I want my image bearers all over the earth. But the people say, no, let's not do that. Let's build a city for ourselves. Let's stay right here so that we're not scattered over the face of the earth. So it's an antithesis of what God desires. And then we see that this tower that they're going to build is, is kind of, like them saying, hey, we don't need to wait for you, God. 
we can do this our way and we're going to come right up to you whenever we want. We're going to have a tower that touches the heavens. So this, this is offensive to the Lord because it's the exact opposite of what he has set into place. In Genesis 1.26, he said, hey, let's make man in our image. And in the story right now, it says, let us build. The humans are saying, let's, let us build. Come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower. He tells them, be fruitful and multiply. They say, no, 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 let's make a name for ourselves. And Babel, or Babylon, is a construction of human independence and self-sufficiency apart from God. Here's the first thing I want us to see today. Sinful pride will always divide. Sinful pride will always divide. That's what happens in the story. God moves in with swift judgment, and he's like, no. Like, we cannot have this happen. But what happens is the sin of the people, this, this inclination, hey, we don't need you, God. We're going to do it our way. We know better than you. And, and God says, no, no, that's not going to work. But what, what he has to do is he has to divide them from himself. That's what sin does. It separates us from God. But it also divides them from one another. That's what happens with our sinful pride. Kids, y'all might know the puffer fish. I don't know if I have any wildcrat fans in here. Y'all like the wildcrats? Anybody? Yeah, a few of you. I know my boys do. Uh, some of the adults like the wildcrats. I like the wildcrats, okay? So it's a great show. If you haven't watched it, it is so educational. Some of you with the real young ones, just get ready. Like, you'll never have control of your TV again, okay? I'm just going to warn you that now. But we, uh, we love the wildcrats, and we get to learn about all kinds of animals. And one of the animals that we learn about is the puffer fish, right? Everybody loves the cute little puffer fish. The thing about the puffer fish is it's not the fastest little creature. It's kind of a slow swimmer. And so it has to come up with some other way to defend itself. And so what it does is it blows up big, right? And it's kind of like a little bit spiky. And so whenever other, the, the predators see the puffer fish, they're like, uh, right, we're going to back off. See, the, the thing is, the word pride in scripture has a, a connotation of being puffed up, like the puffer fish. And when we're prideful, we're making ourselves look bigger than we are, Right? I mean, husbands, wives, sometimes when you're having one of your discussions about something that's sensitive, and then so one of you is like, excuse me, right? It happens with our relationships. We puff up. We say, no, 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 my way, right? And it always divides us. Pride means to exalt oneself, to trust in self rather than in God. And using their technology, they figured out how to make bricks in mortar. And they're like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to build something awesome for ourselves. And it's going to be the opposite of what God wants us to do. See, as soon as there was race, as soon as God confused the language, as soon as, I mean, just imagine that. Imagine uh, your buddy from the line of Shem that you work next to at the brick factory, you see him one day and all of a sudden he's speaking Spanish and you're like, no comprendo. Like, I don't know what you're... You, can you imagine going from everybody speaking the same language to boom, all of a sudden we're different. And here we have the origin of race. 
Everyone separating and dividing based on language. And as soon as there's race, there was racism. Racism is the false belief that the primary determinant of a person's traits, capacities, and characteristics is the color of their skin. And it is absolutely false. It's false. We also see in this, this picture the origin of religion. Man saying, hey, we're gonna work our way up to God. That's what the essence of all religion is. It's man saying, we're going, we can get there. We can work our way to God. We can build a tower that touches the heavens. Religion is man's attempt to reach God. The Bible is the story of Yahweh reaching to us. And here's the thing. We always bring this on ourselves. You know, in this moment, this cultural moment of of race where we see the, the rioting and, and it's, we, we hear the message of basically like burn it down. Like it's too far gone. There's, there's too much water under the bridge. There's, there's so much hurt and pain from this part of our history and it's, let's just burn it down. But here's the thing, but before we burn it down, I would just say, let's go look at all the nations on the planet. And if you would leave the touristy spot, and you'll, if you'll leave the wealthy part of town, and you'll get to see the other nations, what you're going to find is the very same thing is happening everywhere on the globe. There are people that are oppressed. There are people that are not given access to uh, power or privileges or opportunities. And the reason why is an incredibly superficial reason. And I'm just wondering if the message of the church right now is not burn it down, but let's bind it up. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to bind up the brokenhearted. We always bring this on ourselves, but it's not burn it down. I believe it's time to bind it up. The second thing that I want you to see is this. This was, this was big for me this week. Race is a grace. Race is a grace. What do you mean, Chris? Here's what I mean. God doesn't want to destroy them. He's already done that in chapter six. He doesn't want to do that again. So rather than destroying them, he distinguishes them giving them distinctness of language. They begin to spread out over the face of the earth. The skin colors begin to change. Now we have this beautiful picture of humanity. Race was a grace. It was God's goodness to us. He divides them so he doesn't have to d destroy them. Now, parents, does any of this ring a bell? <laughs> you have to divide them so you don't destroy them? I have three boys, and uh, let's just say, I don't know how you picture Pastor Chris's household. Uh, you probably picture it as like a peaceful sanctuary of the Holy Spirit where no, like no, nothing bad ever happens. But in reality, let me just tell you, like we got, we got a lot of testosterone that flows around my home. And so there are times with my boys, and they will tell you, we say, 
you better what? Separate. Which means if I don't divide you, I'm going to destroy you here in a minute, right? You're pushing me too far. It's a grace. It's a grace. God divides them so he doesn't have to destroy them. You see, our colors reveal God's character. Our pigments show his patience. Because our God does not delight in the death of people. He does not delight in the death of sinful people. He doesn't want to destroy them, so he confuses them. Third thing I want you to see is that God delights in diversity. He delights in diversity. Now, I know what you're thinking, right? Wasn't the divisions, uh, this division of races really uh, kind of the lesser of two evils? Well, here's the funny thing, and here's where we kind of touch on the whole storyline of the Bible, is that from this moment, all of a sudden, there begin to be nations and languages, and right at this moment, if you go to the next chapter, God begins to call to a man by the name of Abram. Father Abraham had many... Y'all know the song, right? Abram. Do you remember the, pro- the promise of God to Abram? Through your offspring, all the what? The nations of the earth will be blessed. Abraham gives birth to Isaac, finally. Isaac gives birth to Jacob. Jacob wrestles with God. He becomes Israel. Eventually from Israel comes a Messiah named Jesus who lives a perfect sinless life. He's the God man born of a virgin and he lives this perfect life and then he's crucified on a cross for our sins and he raises three days later and he tells his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations. John, The apostle, he's having a moment on the island of Patmos, a particularly strong, worshipful moment. He's in the presence of God. He's worshiping the Lord on the Lord's day. And it says that God gives him this vision and he writes the book of Revelation. And in chapter seven, he gets a vision of a throne. And he says around that throne was every nation, tribe, tongue, language. Here's the thing about the story. The story never goes back to one language, one color. It never goes back. Which shows us that our God delights in our diversity. I don't know uh, if you've heard about this before, but scientists have been studying, obviously, all types of life on earth, and we're still discovering new animals, like at the ocean floor, right? We're constantly discovering new things, but they have found that there are 350,000 types of beetles. Did you know that? I mean, beetles, I, I, 350,000 kinds. Think about creation. Think about all the different types of animals and species and variations within those species. It's like it just shows us God's delight in diversity. You see, he delights in our diversity. The question is, do you? Do you? The last thing I think we need to see in this passage is that the gospel is God's tool for bringing diversity into unity. The gospel is God's tool.
tool for bringing diversity into unity. You see, though we have all these colors and all these types of people and all these nations and languages, every single one of our cultures and colors and languages and nations has one common problem. Our sinful pride has divided us from one another and from God. And though the story never goes back to one color or one race, it does lead to one people that are under one king, a part of one kingdom, around one throne. And there's only one way that that could ever happen, of the many becoming one the diversity coming into unity. The only way this could ever happen, the only thing that could ever accomplish this is the seed of the kingdom, the gospel. It's the story, it's the good news, the heralding proclamation of what Jesus has done on our behalf that rather than destroy us, he died for us. And he can speak to the common problem that we all face. It's the good news of one Savior dying for our division, calling us, here's the message, calling us to die. What? I thought I was supposed to be blessed and, you know, like, if I follow God, then everything's going to work out awesome and it's going to be amazing. No, 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 no. The, the call, the initial call just take up your cross and follow me. Would you die to your pride? The thing in you that puffs up, that says, I'm gonna do it my way, I know better than you, I know the Bible says to not do that and not do this, I think I know better. It calls us to die. And on the other side of that death, newness of life, rivers of living water, unity and diversity. It's the good news. It recreates us into a people who can have agreement with each other in submission to God together. The gospel, the seed of the kingdom is the tool for bringing diversity into unity. Let me close with this today. On September 1st, 2016, it was the 49ers' last preseason game, and two players, Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed, they knelt during the national anthem. The gesture of peaceful protest garnered national attention. No doubt you probably have talked about this with people, either in your family or your friends or around football watching or whatever it is. Like you've probably had a conversation about this because this act has garnered such incredible response. Some applauded the act, saying it was a peaceful protest, raising awareness of racism. Others saw it as disrespectful to our military who've served and died to protect our nation. And as promised, this is not a political series. And so I'm not gonna tell you what I think you should think or not think about any of that because that's not the point of what we're talking about today. See, perhaps we can all agree that this act 
and the responses that followed have revealed our division. It reveals our division. And what I would like you to consider today is the posture of kneeling. Because I believe it's actually a prophetic picture of what needs to happen. Now, I'm not calling us to kneel during a certain song, the national anthem, or whatever. That's not what I'm talking about today. What I'm saying is that kneeling is a posture of humility. And it is always our pride that will divide. And the healing of our communities, of our homes, of our neighborhoods, of our city... That little bit of yeast that can work through the whole dough is this. It's the seed of the gospel that calls us to be people who kneel, who humble ourselves. And so today, I want to call us to kneel before a certain Savior, not a certain song. Because the God who delights in our diversity delights most in our humility. He resists the proud. He embraces the humble. And he's promised, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Amen? So today, I'm gonna call us to be a people of humility, a people who kneel. Let's pray together right now. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.